When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, real lifers. Welcome to episode 104. I'm recording this in Plymouth, Minnesota, where I traveled 24 hours by car to get to you for my dad's wedding. I'm posting some pictures of that on my Instagram page at ITRL underscore podcast. Really hope you guys take a look. They are so cute. My dad and his wife Joyce got married in their backyard. It was so beautiful, even though it rained most of the day. And, you know, we found something to celebrate during this, these really rough times. My dad and Joyce did make a guest appearance on episode 102. They were chatting with me for about the last 25, 28 minutes or so of the podcast. So if you haven't yet listened to, I highly encourage you to listen to that episode, especially the chat that I have with them. I end up interviewing them about how they met, and it is a very cute and hilarious story. I am so excited to chat Housewives with you guys. I really am glad that we have three Housewives franchises on right now and also below deck. I feel very, very lucky. I'm really worried about a few months from now, there not being that much on the air. So I'm very glad that Potomac was postponed, although it was really tough when that announcement came. I am actually very grateful to Bravo because now we know that, you know, a few months from now, we'll still be watching Potomac. And boy, is there a lot going on there. I'm so excited for this week's guest, Moni from the Mixing with Moni podcast. She's a huge fan of Potomac. She's also from the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia. And we chat all things Potomac, get into what's going on with the Denise situation on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And we chat a bit about all of the issues with Dorinda on The Real Housewives of New York. So I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. Again, if you like the podcast and you're feeling generous, go give it a five-star review, leave some comments. I always like hearing from people. And please reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Mandy Slutsker and on Instagram at ITRL underscore podcast. 
I love, love, love hearing from all of you. Without further ado, let's get to this week's guest and start mixing it with Moni from the Mixing with Moni podcast. Hi, everyone. I am here with the famous Moni from Mixing with Moni. How are you doing, girl? I'm doing great. Not feeling any of that fame you're talking about, but... <laughs> If I, you know, sit in my house and I share with my three roommates on a teacher's salary. <laughs> but thank you for having me. I feel like I'm white where I belong. Oh, I love talking to you, especially about Potomac, because, you know, you and I, I'm not originally from D.C., but I have lived in D.C. for a very long time. And you're yes. originally from the DMV area. And like we both just love that there is a show about our area, our city. Yeah, I feel like if at some point someone's going to like, you know, DM me or email me and, and just say, why do I hear you everywhere talking about Potomac when there are other people who live there? I'm like, okay, well, girl, first, they don't also have podcasts. Um, and two, it's like a very small community of us that do have, you know, podcasts. And there's a smaller community of Bravo people who even watch Potomac. So I'm never not like excited to talk about a place that I call home that we can call home. It's so exciting to look at, ask anybody who has shows about, you know, who have podcasts and they talk about Beverly Hills and they live in LA, right? It's exciting to see like your area on the map. I watch with so much anticipation. I pause, I Google every place they've ever sat down to get a coffee, a lunch, a sandwich. And I'm like, if I haven't already been there, I'm like, well, that's the next place that I'm going. Or the next place I'm about to get postmated at this point. Yeah. Have you noticed, uh, like I have, that I feel like the places that they film have gotten better and better, like through the yes. seasons? Yes, yeah. I do. I think so too. I know one of them, and I've talked about this before, I worked for a restaurant company that um, they, they are the ones who told me that a Housewife franchise was coming because they got the permits for it by Bravo to film there. And they couldn't make it work at one of their restaurants, which is actually in Potomac. So they had it done at their sister restaurant in Georgetown, D.C. And they said it was because there was more space that it was because they, it was uh, as large as they have a patio outside at their at their sister location. And there was a scene with Katie and her boyfriend in season one. But this year, Giselle and Monique sat down at that exact restaurant that they said didn't have enough space to right. film them, which is actually in Potomac. So I'm just like, hmm, is it that they didn't have enough space? Or was it that now they're such a big entity We'll go ahead and give them that space. I think it's the latter because I've and noticed I'm glad for them. My old office was at like near 15th and L, 15th and K in downtown DC. And there is a, I guess, a steakhouse, Claudia's, which no one oh, yeah. was ever at. It, it had great like decor. It just is in the middle of a place that people don't really go out in. It's where people work. And they had an event there. I forgot. I think season three. And I was like, no one really goes there. That's not like a happening place. And then mm -hmm. now season five, we're seeing them at the, you know, Southwest waterfront. That's where everyone is going. You yeah, know, it's like, fun. Oh, you're at the wharf. You're trying to make the wharf happen. I mean, of course, it's Candace that's there. That just makes so much sense in the world to me. And I was 
shocked at, I mean, this is like my way of figuring how well they're all doing, because I was shocked. It would have cost $22,000 to rent out that one room, but that, that's, not, that's not even one of their larger cocktail rooms. So I was like, what is going on here? Also, I know we're not led to believe Candace actually paid that. I don't care if they're like, well, she had a cash bar. So like a cash bar would have what made up for like seven to $8,000 worth of 22K. Still don't believe Candace is going from 5000 to $12,000. I don't think she had either. Yeah, there's no way she paid that. But I do believe it's worth that much because to know the different companies that have bought office space in the wharf area and like what they do and how much money they spend, it very much tracks. <laughs> I mean, great for them. I remember I was born long enough to know what it was before. So yeah, <laughs> I love to see a nice change. It'll never be me that spends it there. Um, at least not for free, not out of my own pocket. But they, I'm had I'm here for it. More people will probably come and want to have a diamonds and denim party, just like Candace, and that'll just drive up their business, which is very much needed uh with this pandemic you know hopefully hopefully when things get a little bit better business will be booming again um but i wanted to get into this week's potomac and also kind of dabble in some of the things that are happening right now with the ladies of potomac with social media um before we even get into this week's Potomac, I did want to get your thoughts on Candace's resurfaced tweets that were very homophobic. Um, she did address them uh, by apologizing, uh, but I don't know about you, but when I read it, it sort of almost read similar to a Vanderpump Rules apology, like, I'm sorry you were offended, not I'm sorry I actually did the things that I did, but really want to get your take on this. Yeah, I felt a couple things. I felt first and foremost that it felt like any ounce of, you know, correct language or, you know, corrected rhetoric that was in the apology instantly made me feel like it did not come from her. None of that apology made me feel like it actually came from her lips or her thought process. It felt like it hit too many of the perfect points. And I did... um, a podcast with my friend uh, Donovan, who's a PR oh, expert yes. and um, and a, a a black PR person at that, and he I had him come on to dissect the Vanderpump Rules apologies and the whole scandal as a whole. I'm like, what was what what would you put in these apologies? What do we do here? And it felt like I, you know, maybe because I had that information, it felt very much so like it was a PR apology again. It's some things just sound too perfect and too realized that I don't think you made that realization in 24 hours of something you did not plan. Like you didn't say it and people came after you and you were like, oh, maybe this wasn't a good idea. You found out that it was surfaced. People came after you and you were like, oh shit, I got to do damage control, which I just never, it's a catch 22 because I mean, they, they come out so quickly, these apologies. So it's like, I don't know how genuine or authentic I can take this because what else were you going to say? It doubled down. That won't that won't be good. You lose your job the next day. But then also the longer you take, the more I'm questioning. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I I'm I'm caught in the middle of that. I definitely don't I don't really believe she wrote it. Um it felt more I don't like that it was like released on digital stationery, um, like an IOS press release. Like it felt like it was, you know, so contrived. It it wasn't quite the notes app. 
like Kristen and Stassi, but it had our own like logo <laughs> and it had a logo and like our handles. Why do I need your handles on an apology about past things and types of bigotry? Like I don't need your, you know, we're not self-promoting here. That's the whole point. And what you really want to do is not give people more of a way and a reason to attack you. And so it just felt like it was super planned and it was super put together. And I would have much preferred she hop her ass on IGTV again and do a live or something and just be like, okay, so here's the thing. I recognize that these are coming back out probably because of what I said the other day about this, you know, blogger and how rude I was about him. And though I don't really want to express why I don't like him right now, or I don't really want to, you know, because she just basically apologized because she didn't want to address that and address what she said and how people took that. And I think that's also why things started resurfacing because she, they just figured that with someone with that much venom about a blogger that we just witnessed the other day, there's probably some things in the past that we could look into. And lo and behold, there were. And she should have just been like, you know what? Back then, though, that was unacceptable. I, I, I never thought, I should have thought differently then, but I definitely think differently now. And that's not my intent is to, you know, my intent is never to alienate anyone in my fan base or in the, in the world who are different than me. Um, it's not my job, you know, it's not your job to, I always said, it's not your job to understand them. But in my opinion, there's nothing to not understand about people different than you. Like, that makes zero sense. You can't just say, well, I don't get it, but you do you. No, that's, there's nothing to get. Humans are going to just live their life and you should just let them live it and they have rights to live it without you chiming in. And that's all she really needed to say was that it was wrong for me to say it and think it then. It's wrong for me to say it or think it now. I don't think this way anymore and I'm sorry, but it would have been better if she said it to our faces and not in a contrived four page swipe Instagram post with her own handles on it and a nice pretty pink background. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there was some hypocrisy though, given that she was so harsh on the Vanderpump Rules cast for their previous racist tweets? And then, you know, she expects to be forgiven. And they also, I think, expected to be forgiven. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky answer for me because something that I do on a daily basis and I think about constantly, of course, is defending Black lives and protecting mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter and making sure that it's a movement and not a moment and um, that injustices are constantly exposed. With that being said, you know, I still am on the inside and internally within my own groups and stuff, uh, very critical of um, how the Black culture can be very, uh, very marginal, like they can tend to marginalize other types of um, people, especially within our own community. We have a very deep rooted history of being homophobic it is probably a black person's worst fear in a lot of ways coming home to that christian black household that christian black mother and telling them that you are gay or any other version of what they decided you were supposed to be and i know that can be true of a lot of different cultures religions and backgrounds and things like that but it's just something about the what we've accepted as correct or what we've what we've accepted as acceptable 
on a bigotry level in our own community that it, I would say it does not surprise me. I'm not saying it's a generalization. Like, you know, that's how we all are. Um, that's definitely, I know a lot of, I have a lot of friends who are black who are also on this spectrum of sexuality and their parents are cool or they've made it happen. And I'm not saying it's acceptable. I'm not saying it's general. I'm just saying I'm not surprised that it's Candace. I'm yeah. not at all surprised that it's Candace. That she has a lot of bitterness and self-loathing that I feel like happens in 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 that in her life and with her relationship with her mom. So it's not surprising to me that uh, with a mom like hers, some level of non-unconditional love would also come from Candace as well. Yeah, I totally hear that, and really loved you chatting about her relationship with her mom Dorothy on mother was it mommy dearest the oh yeah what Kara mm-hmm. and Megan did um the the kind of special episodes about the relationships with various housewives and yeah. their mothers mm-hmm. um you mentioned black lives matter and it's a, a movement not a moment um just wanted just to get your like top level thoughts on bravo's um event that they did uh that was I think called like a movement not mm-hmm. a moment I can't mm-hmm. remember what it was called I actually watched it twice race um, in America race yeah, it in was America. really really good um yeah. a movement not a moment I'll be saying that for the rest of my life so thanks bravo um I thought it was excellent in theory I thought it was productive in practice mm-hmm. nothing's perfect I think we you know have time to learn and grow and with learning and growing comes opportunity to hear new truths. I do think everything sometimes has, for me, I try to practice activism by pacing things out. Like we all can't be in a, I'm still learning and living type of environment all the time. Um, because like, I, and I'm, I'm a teacher. So in school, we don't just practice instruction forever. At some point there is an assessment. And in order for us to know if that assessment, if we can pass that or do well on that, we have to continually build on top of what we've learned. So we can't just learn the, the minimum and be like, okay, so we know we should not be murdering them. Awesome. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, but like, <laughs> and then so to get a lot of respo- response of like, you know, we're learning, we're learning. It's like, but the thing is, everyone else is just waking up to this, you know? Like a yeah. lot of us, we have been living this life. I mean, I, I've marched as early as I can remember. It's like when I was five years old with my grandparents, my mother, on a march on Washington in uh, when I, in the 90s. So we've been doing this for a really long time. And so I get that, A, it's a lot to catch up to. And I get that, B, a lot of people want to catch up, get get everyone caught up quick because of the momentum. We see all these people who don't even look like us. We're like, hey, we're on your side. And we're like, okay, well, come on, like, hurry up, like, get here. And then yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle. It's like, we need to pace it out. And I know that everything can't be taught at one time. Baby steps are important. Child, I think what Bravo did is a, is a toddler step. It's more than a baby step. It is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I think that it's a logical next step for just, you know, the IGTVs and stuff they were doing and a good sign of good faith. So I'm appreciative of what they put out. I liked a lot of what happened. There were some choices that were made that I was like, okay, I, I, I understand why they wouldn't think that this was a good choice and they would not know any differently because we're not there yet. But in 
theory, I thought it was great. And in practice, I thought it was productive. I do think that it was very powerful to hear just how easy it is to rattle off racism. It's so easy. People yeah. don't even know that they do it. And to hear what it, how it affects, because it's not like you think you're doing anything harmful, but to hear how it affects these women, how it affects these people, and the way like it hurts them, that one comment of they thought that Giselle was a nanny to her girls and the girls think that they're white. Now that, the way that can change a dynamic in a household and stick with you for so long is why we know these words matter like these words mean things intent mean things it means something to when you see you know someone like Portia at a very nice neighborhood in the south walking you think she's a dog walker it means something that it's not just a fly by night comment even though if it was made yeah, that way it's a, you it don't belong those here you know right that's what it's and what that does to a mm-hmm. woman you know what i mean like yeah if any other woman was told by someone well you don't belong in their job you know, you work really hard to get where you at. And they're like, well, you don't belong here. And they said it that way. Or, oh, are you the assistant? Like, how many times do women not who are the doctor get mistaken as the nurse? It's like, excuse me. But not all the times do we feel like we have to, we are able to stand up for ourselves. Is it even ever necessary? Because sometimes it can happen just that frequently. And yeah. you just want to get back home and you just brush it off. And I think you're not at a place where... If it is true, we should not just be brushing it off. It's going to take more than just us being annoyed by it to make it stop. Definitely. Well, I was just glad they had it on and it was something. On TV. Yeah. And played it. Like, and they played once, it. Right? You know, and some people said, oh, I wish it was after Beverly Hills or New York because those are the audiences that really need to hear it. But um, yeah, I get that. You know, I, I watched <laughs> it with my new stepmom who grew up in very rural Iowa, um, you know, didn't really have a lot of diversity in her life until, you know, later. And it was very eye opening to her. I think we started a lot of conversations, which I thought were really positive. She was very shocked by that. a lot of it. So I love that. You know. I think it's important. I think that, you know, I, but I do understand. I think any step is a step in the right direction. It's on TV. So that's one step further. There, that All that means to me is that there's now room for another step further. Definitely. Like we can continue to move forward. But I get it. I understand people's feelings of they wanted it to be after, you know, like New York. I mean, you have Dorinda, who is arguably like probably considers herself to be the least racist person on her own cast because, you know, she's met Obama and she's volunteered with and she knows Kamala and, or Kamala, excuse me, and she, you know, probably thinks of herself as super progressive, and then there's still the matter of, um, you know, she compared Leah wearing a mugshot dress of Little Kim and a black woman in general on a dress to her wearing a shirt of a dictator, and that's, you know, largely my concern with both of the women, but especially, like, this, it's more than just I'm not racist, I voted for Obama. Or I'm not racist, I have black friends. Or I'm not racist, there's black people in my family. You know, we heard that same message from Tamara's son, Ryan, where he wasn't racist because he has Mexican people in his family. But Tamara has used a Mexican slur in front of her own husband at a Mexican restaurant. And the excuse that she's married to a Mexican man does not really track for me or for a lot of people. (laughs) So, so, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, it doesn't really matter what your affiliations are, you can still have the power to do something harmful. That's just the case. You have to be mindful of that. Yeah. I thought it was a great learning experience. 
Well, let's start throwing some shade because we're going to get into this week's Potomac and there is a lot of shade to go around. Um, So just some of the highlights from this week. Giselle and Monique team up to throw Ashley a dinner to get her out of the house. And this is a pairing I was really not expecting to see. And I, I love it. I don't know what it is about the housewives, but seeing two former kind of not enemies, but adversaries team up is such a fun trope in housewives. Like I just enjoy it, you know, but. It's shocking. Yeah, it's shocking. You you know, it's like when you saw Erica Jane finally getting along with Dorit. You know, it's like a, Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. So, but I was really shocked by it, particularly, um, so I watched the episode twice. And I watched it um, once after Monique's Instagram Live, where she spilled all sorts of tea about these ladies. And one of the things she said was that, Giselle had been really was about to bring up some of these rumors during the last reunion. And she ended up confronting Giselle ahead of time. And I guess those rumors weren't brought up. But if that actually happened, how could a month later, because this started to be filmed very shortly after the reunion, could she team up with Giselle and be friendly? Like, I'm confused by it. Maybe like an enemy close situation. Okay. I get a vibe from, and this is like not to just, you know, jump cities, but like, say for instance, something of any sort did happen between Brandy and Denise, right? Mm-hmm. It would be understanding that Denise would consistently be texting Brandy, like, hey, you're not going to say anything, right? Or trying to just keep her close as a friend because she would think, there's no way that if I'm friendly with her, she will out me and, and talk about what's happened. It's, I've seen it done of children in elementary grades. Mm-hmm. They will try to keep someone in order for them to gauge if the person's mad at them without apologizing they'll be overly nice to them and try to just be schmoozy with them and now we're friends and there's no reason for you to treat me like an enemy and do enemy things like tell my business because we're friends so I'm getting a vibe that if that really is true Monique is like I need to get the people with the most information on my side and Giselle would be that person because Giselle had a bigger MO I mean if you remember um, Monique is the one who brought around uh, Giselle's ex-boyfriend's ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah. A couple seasons Sherman? ago. Sherman's yeah, ex- Sherman's mm-hmm. ex-girlfriend. So, and Monique was going on walk with her and bringing her around and keeping her on the mic. So, she's mic'd up because of Monique. And Monique is like, well, why wouldn't Giselle want to get So, I might as well just bury the hatchet now. That makes a lot of sense, actually. What do you think of Monique's Instagram Live where she was just like... I mean, it was so shocking to me. It's not just the rumor that was mentioned this week that she had some sort of affair with her trainer and they were seen running around town together. It was that he fathered Chase, like that Chase was not 
um, Chris's biological child. I mean, that is such a horrendous, awful thing to say. Wild. And I think it's also bullshit because that baby does not need a DNA test. That baby does not need a DNA test. He looks identical to his daddy and his siblings. They all look related. And they all don't really look like Monique except for her daughter, who looks the closest to Monique to me, but they all look related. Chase is I, this is, I know it's not a direct attack on the baby, but any talk about or against the well-being of that baby and the peace of that baby, I am against. That is the cutest baby I, I have ever seen in my whole life. Her children. Monique, they make them the, they're gorgeous. They're Belonging. so stunning. <laughs> oh like... my God. I am like, I can't look at them straight on. It hurts too much. But when you get that very first scene in season, I mean, this season, episode one, of, you know, the baby sitting on Chris's lap, I, I couldn't handle it. I was it's like, this so is the cute. ever. But his cheeks look like something that Chris's probably did look like. Chris is a larger man. He has very fuller features. I can tell he was probably a very fat baby because he's huge. So he probably was a fat baby. Like, you know, a football player was in the making at the time. So I'm here here to believe that Chase is is the baby of this man because I don't believe it's all coming from Monique. She's just so cute and tiny. This is Chris's baby. Like, what are we even talking about? It's also like, I don't like when housewives bring up things about kids related to genetics or like how they were brought into the Mm -hmm. world. It feels really gross. Like, you know, the surrogacy, or a lot of people use donor sperm or donor eggs to get pregnant. It's becoming more and more common these days with like fertility issues. And I just feel like it is not up to other people to out how children were brought into the world. It's the parents' decision how to talk to them about it. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like a really messy thing. You know, not everyone has an easy time getting pregnant and having children. And Monique had just had a miscarriage. So I feel like it's even harder to talk about after losing a baby. So it just like, I don't know. It just seems really messy. If they want to say that she's fooling around, that's one thing that's like something about her and she can defend herself. But when you bring the kids into it, it's a whole other beast. And that was not clear to me in watching this week's episode. And Chris, I I really, I obviously I have some hesitations and you can never love any of these housewives too, too much. And there are personal reasons why we don't like any of them. You know, there's always a reason why none of them are can't fully be our heroes in real life. But as it relates to the show, I really love the union that Monique and Chris have. I yes. love that they even did the live together. Mm-hmm. Like Chris is not angry. He was not angry. And I don't mean that in like a trope way. I mean it as in like he was just so assertive and but yet calm in tone that it was just so much like you will stop this like this needs to stop because I don't speak on other people and so they did not speak on me and I just I really felt for him in that moment but I appreciated that he was there to support his wife and that his wife was there to support him and that they were addressing it head on before there even is a reunion which just makes me want a reunion even more like I'm so ready I know we just got started 
But I would love a reunion right now. I know. There's so much to go over. And it seems like she was talking about a friend of hers who was kind of starting these rumors who wanted to get on the show and was reaching out to producers. And she realized this friend was not a true friend. And it's almost like she wasn't as upset with Sharice on the IG Live because she said Sharice was also used by this friend. But maybe I misheard yeah, I'm wondering what friend it is. I really want to think, and this is just, I have no basis of this. It could very well be the woman who was Sherman's ex. Because oh. that was a friend of both of theirs. Mm-hmm. Sharice put her in contact. Sharice was no longer on the show, I believe. So Monique was the one who put her on the show. And she was mic'd up every time. And I was just like, she was the one who was like, she had all this information, remember, about Sherman and their relationship and she wanted to bring it to the forefront but the only thing is like they kind of got they broke up before it could really even happen and you know Giselle moved on so how else will she get on the show and she's still a connection between the two of them granted they have large circles so it could be anybody but I just find that incredibly it's kind of like the cookie lady like Mm -hmm. we were over her before she showed up yeah and I'm still over her now (laughs) Cookie lady was always mic'd. Always. None of her scenes were interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and she wore terrible shirts. <laughs> it's just like, if you want to get on this show, you have to bring something other than a bunch of dirt on a guy that either hit on you or you used to be with. It just makes you look thirsty and desperate and not over what happened. And you need to prove something in your own right not just bringing dirt like anyone can do that and they can be part of a season but that doesn't make you a housewife anyway yeah oh man then we see ashley in this lactation consultant and um i think a lot of people probably related to that a bit because there's a lot of moms that watch the show but it was something i probably could have done without (laughs) (laughs) watching detail um just because I want to see I know Ashley's on this like experience as a new mother but I just I want to see more of her and I know right now she's just fully consumed in raising Dean because she just had kids like a kid three Mm -hmm. months ago you know so I get it but I also just want to see her with the other women not just in these scenes alone that's sort of what I'm longing for. I think that that's the point is that she's not there yet. Yeah. I think that she was just fully not there yet. And I feel bad. I think that the whole purpose of the party that we'll get into is that they wanted her to feel like we don't just, you know, want you to be in our lives. We want you to be on the show. We think that you deserve to be on the show like this part of the cast. We want you to be on the show. And so we want to take you out of the house. I think that she just wasn't there like I think yeah that's the important that's the main important parts of watching these things is that she really did go through a lot and I think that the only value she was seeing in herself at that point was being a mother um and because there were some complications in how that was going about you know with her getting an infection and not being able to milk uh, or produce enough milk and all that for her for that to be her new value and what she worked for forever and then for that value to be, you know, tainted or like, it's like, okay, so then what is my purpose? Here? Right. Not to mention if, you know, 
we don't know what's really, really going on behind the closed doors with her and her husband. And there very well could be a lot of things of her being like her only real purpose or her only real value right now is to be a mother. Maybe she feels like she has to pour everything into that and make it perfect because her marriage is, you know, it's not solely up to her, but at least raising this kid, this kid, excuse me, is solely up to her. Like the way this kid is taken care of is up to her. She can control you know that and the sad part is you really can't and that's kind of where the anxiety comes in yeah but you can't really control what happens to the baby because it is human and but she's primarily responsible even if she can't control it and I can see why that would become an obsessive thing for her and you know I'm proud of her for sharing her story I think that who watching that those scenes in the beginning of the season they're going to make it very hard for us to forgive or even get through the Michael scenes later in the season. Yeah, I agree. Because we're watching this woman pour everything of herself into this baby and try to be a good mother and struggle with it a lot. And we don't do well when you kick a woman when she's down. The Housewives fans will react. It also makes it harder to, like, Candace with everything with Candace and how she just refuses mm-hmm. to apologize and you're like come on look at where this woman is at I mean, it's very clear that Ashley has like some sort of postpartum anxiety depression like her anxiety she was saying she's afraid to leave the house mm-hmm. that's like a telltale sign it's a very common thing to have happen with hormone changes and yeah. chemistry changes in your brain after going mm-hmm. through a pregnancy and giving birth uh, you know, it's just, yeah. So we can get into Chelsea some of from Ono Bravo. <laughs> I just had on my show yeah. and she talked about how she did have postpartum anxiety specifically with one of her daughters. Um, she had it for a little bit and she was like, it was actually helpful for her to see it, mm-hmm. you know, cause it made her feel like, Oh shit, that's really normal. Like it was not just me, which is probably the first thing that happens in your brain when you're anxious of anything totally. is that you're the only one freaking out. So I really applaud her for doing that. But yeah, now it's making it hard for me to even look Candace in the face. I mean, she's not doing a good job offline, but online, it's like, I watched you talk about how Ashley's miscarriage was fake last year with, with genuinely no basis, like no basis whatsoever. You just literally accuse this woman of faking her tears and her own miscarriage at Monique's rainbow party which she invited people to talk about their miscarriage, their miscarriage. it's also on like, like one of the most common things that people go through that is so heartbreaking why right. i mean it's so common it's not like it's something she's talking about something that doesn't happen it happens it all was, the time it was inappropriate it was at a party yes. about it and she prompted it like what are you even doing and so for candace this year to give us a reason for why she might have been like that i was like okay i respect the reason and i respect the being like being genuine now apologize right that's all you have to do do you think some of it stems from candace and in this episode she talked about her, her being unsure about being a mother and how she's jealous of Ashley because Ashley always knew she wanted to be a mother and Candace is trying to reconcile her past trauma before she brings life into this world and so maybe her discomfort with all of these things is coming out negatively towards Ashley I definitely I believe Candace when she tells us the reason I think it makes perfect sense for some reason she's jealous of this woman that you should never be jealous of other people's gardens at all just water the grass on your own and still, as I believe Candace, just apologize. 
like it's not that hard this is so easy that it's like you're going out of your way to make it harder like at that party it's just like even if it is the attack on Candace party you decided to come to a party to celebrate a woman who just had birth and is having some troubles getting acclimated to motherhood or in general it was her first night out and you decided to come you did not have to come but if you had to come if you come to something for someone that you've attacked and you don't apologize for attacking them about the very thing you're coming to the party for. How self-centered can one person be? Oh, I think we've The delusion is next level. It's a New England level delusion. It is. It really is. It's like a New York level delusion because all those ladies on New York are delusional. Um, and <laughs> we'll have time to talk about that as well. Um, Ashley also mentions that she has a tear in her anus that may need to be fixed with Botox. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> that just kind of like slipped out and then was like... Booty Botox. Moved. <laughs> like they just moved on. <laughs> it's like... I, it made me laugh that they were all so like confused by it. I was yeah. like, isn't that pretty normal? Like a lot tears. of tears happen when you yeah. give birth. Your ba- humans are coming from a body that wasn't meant to, like that wasn't really factored. The the space wasn't factored into the body to create new humans. <laughs> so things have to go wrong sometimes to make the life happen. So they're just like, what? I mean, y'all all have like fifty thousand gays between all of you. You know what she's talking about? Calm down. <laughs> it's just that she this is so new for her so she's experiencing it for the first time yeah um also for the first time we really get to know wendy in that when she sits down for lunch with candace and i have, said I have this. so I, much high hopes for dr me wendy. too i was talking to um ryan bailey and i was like this is like when i think of like a dc working women woman like i think of dr wendy like i think of mm-hmm. someone with like all these degrees, like a boss bitch, knows her stuff, involved in like charity, but not just from a like, you know, like a Leanne Locken perspective where you use it as a way to social climb, but like a true, I don't know, trying to better the world. Um, and she mm-hmm. works in politics in D.C. I mean, like government is in D.C. And so you can't really separate the two the way that you can't separate Hollywood from Beverly Hills. Yes. She's a teacher. Mm-hmm. She's a doctor. She is Dr. Wendy. I just find that to be so elevating. I'm Love very, it. very pleased that she is a professor. And what, what, why, what did we do to deserve a professor on our TV screens? Well, I we don't know, but I'd like to do it again. One, we definitely deserve one on Potomac. I feel like Potomac is elevating the Housewives game, and Wendy is elevating Potomac. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited for the professor. Um, I will always be calling her the professor. The professor. Um, because why the hell not? What? Like, I just find her to be so amazing her husband's a lawyer she has beautiful kids she flipped her hair walking out of giving birth like two days after or a day after giving birth like the same day or something like that like she literally walked in to the hospital walked out and the baby in tow and flipping her hair and not that that's like an expectation of everyone but that's the whole point we watch housewives because their level of living is like sometimes like unattainable and And aspirational like yeah she's super aspirational she's on tv and she's a professor 
I love it. I love it. I'm really interested to see things play out between her and Karen because I have a theory of where she lives. Yes. Where do you think she lives? Um, well, she teaches at Johns Hopkins, so I feel like she lives between mm-hmm. DC and Baltimore. And and I know she lives in a suburb. Like I don't think she lives in Baltimore. I think she lives in Rockville. I don't know okay. why I think she lives in Rockville, but I have a very weird thing that she lives in Rockville, and it's something I've often talked about is that though Potomac is like this like premier destination it's on all the lists of Forbes and stuff of like you know super rich neighborhoods if that's not your vibe and you just want to spend great money on like a really nice house with great Mm -hmm. schools you're in Rockville just like Giselle you're buying that $900,000 cabin teardown that Candace talked about and you are making a home there because I really think she lives in Rockville because it's a little bit more metro a little bit more metropolitan I love Bethesda. That's like, I think Bethesda is gorgeous in terms of yeah, like so that's, Rock Creek that's Park. My, yeah, that's mm-hmm. my, my prediction is that when we get to her, it'll either be that she's in Bethesda or she's in Rockville because I don't mm-hmm. think she's in Potomac. And I think that makes more sense because her husband is, he's a lawyer, the culture. And I don't know. I just get like a, I want to hang out with them so bad. I love her outfit at the Dominant Denim Party. I thought they, I just think she's so cool. She like, is. She's a I, real badass woman. I'm so excited. I hope it's not like, well, I, I just feel like everyone needs to be given a little bit of a grace period on their first season um, because we've seen women come in and be eh and then like end up being amazing. And we've seen women come in and be amazing and then their kind of stars starts to fade a little. So I think I think she's in this for the long haul. I can't wait to see her and Karen because they had a very sort of similar read on each other where Karen's like, I'm not impressed. And she's like, Karen never remembers me. She just keeps introducing Mm. herself to me. And that is such a frustrating thing for someone who is so memorable, you know, who does make a mark. She does know who Wendy is and she's still. (laughs) Yeah. I think she's threatened. I think she's threatened. Stop it. Uh, Yeah, she has to be. Because who else would Karen say, you know, I wasn't impressed. I'm like, what is there not? What is there to not be impressed by? Unless you're just going out of your way to make sure you're not impressed by other women because you want to be the baddest woman in the room. But that's if you're if you're a bad bitch and you're in a room full of bad bitches, you still won. Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah. You want to make sure they're all on your level. Why would you want them all to be below you? Then you're not a bad bitch. Exactly. Being a bad bitch <laughs> means accepting kind of your friends and loving them and supporting them and not being afraid of other women who are high powered and other bad, right. you know, she just adds to your, like the value of your set now. Totally. Cause you're a bad bitch and now she matches your energy and we want that. As Leah McSweeney says, I elevate this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the only other really notable thing I feel like happened was Juan telling Giselle that he wants to marry Robin. And that was a lovely scene to watch. It was just wonderful. I love Juan. (laughs) I love him too. I think that he is so funny. He is so like anti all of this shit, but like not in a way that is harmful to his wife's check. You know what I mean? Like he's not overly against filming like ray feels very withdrawn now but he's also not so overly involved in feeling like michael who like wants to steal the mic every time you know from his wife and be on the show i like one because he's like involved but he he's perfect for robin because robin's the same way they're like 
they they're there, they're present, but like don't get too crazy because they don't want to be in up all the all the shit. They just want to be there, do the minimum, get the check, go home. <laughs> I just love them because like they're such a regular. Like they remind me so much of those people I grew up around. Like they're just such a regular family. Like they're so regular, but not in a too normal that they can't be on TV kind of way. Like, I don't get, like, a Teddy Mellencamp vibe. Like, where you're just so painfully normal that it hurts to see you on this show because, like, I don't want your psyche to be ruined because Robin still is a great housewife. I loved in season, episode one, she sits Juan down and she's like, listen, bro, I want to get married, you know? She's, like, having the conversation to his face. Like, I want the next step. What are we doing? What is this? And I really appreciate their individual scenes still airing at all. And they talked about so much as a couple. And I am really happy to see this turning point for them. Yeah. Well, speaking of Teddy Mellencamp, should we get into Beverly Hills a little? Yeah, we must. We must. <laughs> well, okay. No, so cool. everyone says Teddy is boring. And I do think she is not the most engaging housewife. But it's interesting because she has been involved in all of the drama. Now, one thing, a, a listener sent me um, a message about how Teddy and her husband are really involved in the Mosaic Church in Hollywood and just some like very bizarre things about that church. It's the same church that Justin and Haley Bieber go to. It's like a very bizarre, I don't know, like they try and bring everyone in and say that they accept everyone, but then from the pulpit won't talk about LGBTQ stuff. But what I thought was interesting was I went down a rabbit hole and Teddy Mellencamp's husband has quite a story. And I don't know why that hasn't been shown. He is the son of, I guess, a semi-well-known drug trafficker. And his- I'm sorry? His, his, so Eddie's, uh, I'm sorry, Teddy's husband- Edwin, right? Is that his name? Yeah. His dad is like this kind of like a Colombian drug trafficker who they he moved to California and then multiple times Eddie uh Teddy's husband, so sorry. I keep on saying Eddie cuz I'm thinking of Tamara Judge. Mm-hmm. Multiple times Edwin's home was raided by the feds because his dad was a drug trafficker and eventually his dad got locked up and his mom and his siblings had to try and survive without their dad's support and he ended up growing up after that going from like extreme extreme wealth to uh, just very much in poverty and he found Jesus and he's very spiritual and he's very into this church as a result. And that's his story of how he found the church. And I I implore everyone to look into this because there is actually yeah, a my lot. My mouth is on the ground right? right now. I've been meaning to. Okay, I'm glad I didn't text you about this beforehand because I was like, I need to hear what Monty says about this because that is a story, right? Yeah. Why? Wow. Why do we not know that about... And if she's so like religious, they do promos for this church. Like it's all over. Yeah. If you look online, it's they're very involved. And his whole reason for being involved in church is because that is what helped him through the pain that he, that he had as a child with his father getting locked up and going from wealth to poverty and all of that. And he was very big on making money to support his family. So he focused on trying to get a good paying job even as a teenager 
and all the stuff, how he got into security systems, how like someone basically picked him and was like, hey, why don't you and I like go into business together? And it just completely ballooned. It did really well. I I want to hear this story. I don't want to hear about like Teddy's boring accountability stuff. Yeah, I'm surprised at why they chose not to talk about it unless Edwin's like, you know, I just want to leave my family out of it. But Teddy, to me, she doesn't deserve to be on the show because she won't share anything. And what you just said, that's her immediate family. But like, and that's something that she could be sharing that could give us something to work with. But I'm still annoyed that we're not talking about her dad. And yeah. we didn't even make it to ever meet Meg Ryan before they broke up. Like, excuse me, sir, you were with this woman for how many years? And y'all are fans of the show. You're not about to get kicked off this show because she won't talk about even you. Like, talk about something. Say something. Like, we don't even really see our kids that much. Like, what is going on? Like, they don't give us anything. And we, I mean, it, it doesn't feel fair we started the season off with Dorit and PK being asked if they were con artists. Like, if they will show up to the confessionals, where is your family? Yeah. I just don't understand the hypocrisy. Like, Beverly Hills, I don't hate this season. I actually think it's quite better than last year because it's evoking so much emotion out of me. Um, it's good. I'm interested. But it's like the hypocrisy is so wild because we're talking about Denise signed up to be on this show and she needs to mention it all but you won't even mention things that happen on camera off camera like where is the line because it seems to keep moving and that's my whole like that's those are my qualms with it because the line seems to move last season Camille a friend of brings up Dorit's money issues and how Dorit owes one of her friends and that was to Teddy that was the line so we just don't cross right. that line. We don't talk about these things. But I'm like, Dorit was chased on a beach during filming about the same money. <laughs> no. What aren't we talking about it? And now we're like, well, Denise needs to talk about what's going on with a woman who's not on the show, not a friend of, has no place here. Like, to be fair, like I get it, Brandy just wants to clear her name so she's not a cheater. But I'm telling you, if Brandy never told us, we would never know. Right. So no one would think of you as a cheater girl. Like this is not a big deal. Like nobody would care because you're not on the show. Now if you were on the show full time and Denise was on the show full time and it was like, well, someone here has slept with someone, then maybe we could get into it. But at the moment, it just feels like they're acting like they don't understand what it means to want things to be kept private because they all had lawsuits less than twelve months ago. Yes. Including Kyle. So privacy apparently is something we know about. Right. Oh, man. It's shocking to watch. Um, and I think this has happened two seasons in a row now where the women take a bet. They they bet on a storyline or a topic that they think the viewers will be on their side about, whether it be oh. Puppygate, going after LVP. Now it's going after Denise. And they've consistently been wrong. The viewers do not like the gang up style and they do not like the like dog with a bone attitude towards this where they just won't let it go. 
they've I wish they would stop. <laughs> they go on and on and on and it's like you made your point. I do believe that LVP stole that story to radar online, but I don't care anymore because this has been going on for 10 episodes. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I feel the same way about the Denise and Brandy thing. It should have been a one or two episode and just dropped. But it also is harder to watch because they've been kind of ganging up on Denise for the whole season. They've been pissed at her the yeah, whole season. They really got to stop doing that. They got to stop doing that. They got to let someone off. Like, I think that someone needs to be able to be let out of the, the, the reins and be like, okay, well, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And then you always come back to the same thing. And they've been setting this up for months. Like, Randomly talking about threesomes at Denise's party at her house, that was a setup. You and think they knew? Denise, I absolutely do. Okay. There's no way in the world that they randomly were like, it's Kyle specifically was like, who's ever slept with a woman? Okay, so why? Because you know Denise slept with a woman? And then to go on and for months act like they don't understand why Denise just didn't want that talked about in front of not just her kids, but kids that don't belong to her. As if they so regularly talk about this in front of their teenage daughters. I don't care what Lisa Rena says. If your daughter found your blowjob on accident and they shouldn't have, that's the thing. Like, don't act like this is something that's so normally practiced and you're just a, well, she is wild things. I'm sorry, are we all reduced to things we did 20 years ago? If that's the case, that really is the morally corrupt Faye Resnick. Mm-hmm. because that was done 20 years ago. And so we're still holding people to the same stand of who they were back in their earlier days when they probably did something. And Denise was making money mm-hmm. for her kids. Now she does fucking Lifetime movies. She's no longer Wild Things, girl. Yeah, it's it's wild. I, I guess when I saw Brandy tell like what happened in front of the cameras, Kyle did look shocked, and I don't think she's a good actress. But oh, <laughs> well, you know the timeline <laughs> of that now, right? Like that it was filmed that. after, likely. Yeah, so I think that they scene. just practiced. They could have they practiced. Did a scene. So um, what they would have happened, they already confronted her about it. I do find it interesting what she said about the church thing and the LGBTQ stuff because Teddy seemed the most like shocked viscerally yes. about it, so, and she seems the most concerned with this. So what I I've delineated from kind of reading about this church is that a lot of the leaders privately will give a lot of support to LGBTQ um, members of the church, but that they kind of shy away from issues that are too political, quote unquote, publicly, because they don't want to alienate. And it actually makes the people who go there who have LGBTQ family members or are themselves feel worse as it's like you don't actually see me and you don't recognize me in yeah, front of you want me to go back into hiding right exactly That's the whole point and so it's not the same as this like you know vehemently anti-gay church you know that kind of a thing but it's um in some ways worse because it pulls people in who think that they're being accepted and then they find out that they're not really so um, yeah and just i just don't really i didn't i didn't understand the reaction i didn't understand the way it was all brought up it was it felt very um is this it like i felt like is this it and we've been talking about threesomes and denise's ability to talk about her sexuality for weeks 
like weeks. And so I'm, you want me to believe this is a coincidence that the same woman y'all have been talking about not being open enough about her sexuality this this year, for some reason, all of a sudden it's like, well, you know why she wasn't open about the three season college and stuff is because she just had an affair with Brandy. And it's like, this is the biggest reach I've ever seen. And when Brandy was like, well, I've always been bisexual. Y'all got, you guys know that. And Teddy was like, I didn't know that. And it was like, (laughs) and Kyle and Kim were like, I didn't know that. And I was like, what? Weren't y'all on the same show? Maybe Teddy, maybe she didn't do all the binge, but Brandy like made out with Carlton that year. And they talked about how if Carlton wasn't married, they probably would have done something. So not saying that that, you know, it directly equates to a specific label of bisexuality, but we at least knew it's not without, it's not outside of Brandy's realm of yeah. understanding that she would sleep with a woman it's not uh, she talks about it, it. yeah hello it happened in front of us like i watched well, it it's so bizarre it definitely had some sort of like biphobic feeling undercurrent but i mean the thing that was hard is that i wish denise would have just been like i'm not talking about this let's move on or it didn't happen and i'm not sharing anything else instead she um, tells a lot of lies which is just very obvious she says i don't even know her that well and then is like oh but i did talk to her and this is what she said oh it's not me that said it it's her that said it oh i actually said worse things it's just uh, all lies and it makes it harder to believe her in just in general and that's probably because they don't show everyone else lying so obviously and teddy is so fixated on when people lie and i'm just kind of over she's i don't believe i ever said that yeah yeah. Rena, I mean, lies all the goddamn time. I mean, they don't really give them. The thing is, though, they don't allow themselves the opportunity to lie because yep. they are able to control the narrative so much. That's... I'm sure Kyle would also mm-hmm. lie if we would start asking her why Mauricio is not at all around this season. Why for everything she hosts or she throws that is directly important to her and for filming, he's somehow not there and doing something so frivolous that it could have been skipped. Like a USC game at her family barbecue where she gave Denise a hard time for not bringing her family, but her own family wasn't even there. Right. Or like when she had an entire fashion show premiere during New York Fashion Week, but somehow the man who owns the agency can't change the date of the agency party to fit around his wife's schedule. That makes zero sense to me. So I'm like, it's convenient that they're like, well, Denise seems to be hiding something when y'all have basically just run the game so well on hiding something that you don't like anybody else acting like they can't hide something from you. I felt Denise in those moments because though we knew she was lying, I was like, I cannot tell you what I would have done in that situation. It probably would have been the same thing because I'm caught off guard. And it's like, what do I do here? There are cameras in my face. There's a mic on me. What do you want me to admit it? Like, it's kind of like the idea of when you plead the fifth, it's when it's, it's to not incriminate you. It's not to say that you didn't do anything. If you didn't do anything, you would say it, but it's to be like, well, I plead the fifth. I'm not talking about this. It's like, okay, so you admit something happened. You just don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So now we know the truth. And it's like, then you what go home and come up with a story of why you didn't want to talk about it like it's I think in the moment she was just trying to protect herself and it was like I don't know what they know so I can't give all the truth because I don't know the detail and I don't want to find out on camera 
I know. Oh, man. Denise, Denise. Now, I was so shocked that Rinna and her had this, like, kind of come to Jesus conversation. Mm -hmm. And to see Rinna's tears, she's either a really good actress or, um, which I think she is. She, I think she also did feel torn. Like, she, my understanding, I don't remember if she said this publicly or if I just imagined it. But I think Rinna told Denise when she signed her contract, like, this is, I don't know if this is good for you, this show. And you're, you know, it's things are going to come out that you don't want to come out. And I think she knew Denise didn't want certain things, like wanted to kind of spend so much time controlling her own narrative because of everything that happened in the tabloids with her. And so I think a huge part of this was Rinna being like, I told you so. That's sort of the Mm -hmm. attitude that I feel from Rena. It's more like you should have listened to me. I told you this wasn't a good idea. You decided to do it anyhow. You're getting paid more than all of us. And we're going to make sure that you earn that paycheck. (laughs) Which is the only reason they're all harping on her like this. Right. It's the only reason. If Denise was only making like a million dollars for three seasons, they would be like, oh, yeah, we can't talk about everything, Denise. Like, we, we're trying to protect you. And Kyle was, like, the biggest flip-flopper I've ever seen in those dinner scenes where she gets Tuddy to kind of introduce this information because Rena won't do it. And then she kind of flips on her and it's like, well, now look at what Denise is going through. She's going through something. You can't tell. And it's like, if you knew she was going through something, which arguably they all know more than we do. We just know a little. We know we started the season off with some kind of custody, child support, or court situation with her ex-husband and the father of her kids. Obviously, we know the court system is not that quick to clear everything up that fast. So she's going through something. She's obviously trying to keep everything, you know, within this particular narrative, which I understand. She probably is trying to use the show to kind of change the frame, mainly because she spoke so much last season and she did so much last season. I mean, I... I hate to say it this way, but yes, we had to switch from happy endings, girl, because happy endings aren't legal, mm-hmm. not in most states. So it's not like she's going to be on trial for a criminal act, but it does not fare well with courts. Probably everything she said last year, she's going to be trying totally. to clean it up quick. So I understand that, but it's like, they're only mad that she's making all this money. And I feel like Kyle is the queen. She's not a very good flip-flopper because it's so damn obvious when she does it. And I just need her to not do it that quickly because you set this woman up to talk about this on camera and you knew you probably wasn't going to want to talk about it on camera and Dorit's like well, you, you gotta stop saying bravo 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 you gotta stop quitting yeah. but, but does she because y'all quit everything like it's the same thing so the hypocrisy really annoys me because if you know what she's going through and you know that it affects her children whereas for most of y'all it just affects your money and your lifestyle and that's supposed to be important to us and be kept secret from us because it's important to you, you can understand why this is important to her. She just mm-hmm. wants her kids to have like, some sense of normalcy. I mean, they, God, they already got enough going on. Like, <laughs> hello, look at yeah. the parents. It's, it's interesting. I think I this episode is the one because I was always like, I'm not like team Brandy. I just believe Brandy. Um, but I think part of me this episode was like, they just need to let it go. And they're not. And, and see, I've always been, I'm not necessarily team Denise. Mm-hmm. I do believe something happened. I don't believe Brandy, if that makes sense. Like, Got I it. believe okay. Brandy to be a liar. I, I fully believe that she will lie to get what she needs done. And she's the most desperate person in the position. And I always have a hard time believing the person who has the most to gain 
even if you're like, well, I have nothing to lose. She has nothing to lose because she's not in this fight. She has no stake in this. Mm-hmm. But then I have to wonder your motives. Like, why would you do this unless you needed something? Like, you want, you have something to gain. And she has the most to gain. Denise has the most to lose. And I believe Denise did probably stupidly let something happen. I don't believe it's the fullest extent because, again, Brandon didn't give us details. And so I'm leery of that. And I don't believe Brandy, but I believe Denise is hiding something. Yeah, I I definitely, I could see that. Now, everything about Beverly Hills is sort of these unwritten rules. Like, you don't bring up these lawsuits. You don't talk about these subjects. We only talk about that subject. And then Garcelle comes in, and she just throws it all to the wind. And I love it because she is Mm -hmm. like all of us wondering what things can and can't be spoken of. And apparently one of the things you can't talk about is Lisa Rinna inappropriately dancing in her underwear on Instagram and having a daughter that also has an eating disorder. And I think it's a thing that crosses people's minds. I, you know, I thought it mm-hmm. once when I saw her dancing. Thanks to Harry. You know? Harry kind of started that for me, that fire last year when he was at that very frustrating barbecue and it was very clear his daughter was having some kind of a setback or something was happening and he was very frustrated and I felt his frustration as a parent, though I'm not one, I felt that frustration as being a parent of I don't know what to do here and the way he kind of took it out on Rena, not like directly, but like this is something, he kind of insinuated something, unless I'm misremembering, like that it had something to do with her. Like this is like something that she contributed to in some way and i'm like well that's been said before like Mm -hmm. it felt uh he started that trick for me i have been vocal on my podcast about how i suffered an eating disorder when i was younger younger than amelia um when i was in middle school and high school and i am in my mid-20s now and i still have issues with it though i eat i have very big issues it does not go away um I probably fast forward every single scene that Lisa when I talk about her daughter. I cannot take it. It is my biggest Achilles heel. I think it is done so poorly. I think it is in bad taste, bad judgment ever since that hike with Teddy where she is A, talking about her child who's not there and spilling all of her business, medical, mental, everything in its personal with a woman who is not related to her that I don't know that she got her consent to talk about and Amelia is not there. And B, she's talking about what the therapist told Rena, which I find very HIPAA shady. I find it very shady that she called her mom, and just because I've been in therapy for so long, she called her mom as though Amelia is a legal adult and tells her all these things. Hey, she shouldn't be at school. This isn't good for her. She's got to go. And I'm like... Something just didn't feel right. Something didn't add up with that I've had very many therapists who have not called my mom because I'm an adult and have talked it through with me. And also the whole crux of therapy is to help you determine the best path for your life and help guide you as you become aware of it. Not you need to be out of school. They don't do that. They don't Mm -mm. typically say that. And if that's the case, you need a new therapist, especially if they're calling people to tell them all your business. So it just... Everything about that, I was very glad that Garcelle said something because I can't imagine what Amelia goes through, you know, living in a house full of people who are very public and who are on display. I get um, 
I've often talked about the same thing about like how Kendall and Kylie and the Kardashians, they were born into a family they didn't know they were going to, they didn't know they were going to go this route Mm -hmm. and they kind of didn't have a choice. So it's always feels weird to me, even if they annoy the shit out of me, it feels weird to criticize them on what they do because they didn't choose this at all. They just simply had zero choice and they still have no choice. So Amelia and, you know, her sister, yes they chose to be models and stuff but it's like their mom had to stay fit and tiny her whole life they have to stay they're in a world where they have to stay fit living in beverly hills then going to new york none of it feels like it's all the mentally healthiest for someone who might have an eating disorder or any kind of body image issue any ocd anything like that but i don't know the videos for the world to see of your mom's very very small body you know, very toned, very fit body being, you know, at least Garcelle asked her publicly, but not for the first time. She's asked her privately before. And I appreciated them showing us that because mm-hmm. Garcelle is someone I think who doesn't like to catch off guard for the crowd reaction. She is someone who will say it to your face and will say it privately or publicly. Like she's not afraid of anything. Yeah. I love Garcelle and I do love Lisa Rinna. I think she is a fabulous housewife. I think she's a lot of fun. She makes me laugh. I think she's funny, but she has an unhealthy relationship with food and with her body. It's been documented over multiple seasons. She jokes about, you know, eating cake. I've never seen a piece of cake that I didn't like, but then she doesn't actually eat. So she has like, she's like performing that she has a normal relationship with food when it's very clear she doesn't. And Mm -hmm. that's such a mess to grow up in that and see that and not have it, you know, brought onto your daughters. I don't know if it's the dancing (laughs) that's the issue. It's like her what she talks about and I and you know she mentioned she's like do I have something to do with it probably you know I blame myself the dancing could come from is that if say they know Lisa Rinna has some kind of issue with food and we just don't know it but maybe say they know it or Garcelle suspects it or something like that and this is 100% my own opinion say that she thinks that Lisa Rinna does have something with food and when you not saying you can't dance, but when you do it in a way that like you're very proud of your body and you show it off, but we know how you got it. It's kind of like the first thing that is really harmful for anyone suffering with any kind of eating disorder is that they think that the results are worth it. Yes. And that there's pride yes. in it. Like yes. they're happy about their body. Like when I had my eating disorder, and I hope not to get like, you know, too morbid, but like I had bulimia. So, and I actually also dabbled in anorexia. It's just anytime I did eat, I would not want to keep it down because I would feel, I would feel disgusting, like mm-hmm. legitimately. And as soon as I would get rid of it, I felt pretty and I would feel proud of me. And even though you can't physically tell, and then days later you could tell and I would be proud. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is the body that I worked for. This is what I wanted. And so sometimes that pride, it, I could see how, Garcelle might be making a connection if this is what she's thinking I do not know that you know maybe your daughter sees maybe she doesn't think she's as skinny as her mom because there's a body dysmorphia that has to be involved when you have any kind of eating disorder maybe she thinks that she doesn't look as good as her mom does or won't by the time she's her mom's age and she's like well I want to feel that good and that pretty and I gotta do something that is at least in a fault no but I think Garcelle is saying maybe we should be cognizant of what's going on with our daughter and talking to her and making sure we're present for her and what's comfortable for her instead of just talking and being concerned on camera 
because I think what she was trying to not break the fourth wall about was you seem to be really concerned about your daughter's well being on camera, but you're dancing and naked in front of her for the world to see and comment on your body. And this girl already has issues with people thinking and talking about her body. Yeah. So maybe it, it, is it cool at home? Like, are you good at home? Or do you just care about your daughter's mental state on camera? Which only Lisa Rinna could answer. But again, that no one else is going to ask her that. So we have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe Rinna is like 24-7 watchdog on her trying to make sure she eats. That's very true. But I also don't suspect that Rina is doing that when this is the same woman who was like once a year a good hot dog with no bun. And I'm like, once a year? Well, yeah, I, it's just okay, girl. It's just uncomfortable to watch, you know. I definitely it's... eat a hot dog more than once a year. If you're going to put it on the grill, I'm going to eat it <laughs> with a bun. No, right? It's just, they all have, I, I think it's just going to be interesting to see the reunion because it's very clear that Garcelle and Rinna get into it at the reunion and they, Rinna unfollowed Garcelle or vice, I don't know. It's all kind of a mess. They didn't invite Garcelle to hang out after the reunion. They were all hanging out together. Mm-hmm. And I think there is, I don't know, we'll see. But it's like, why is this one topic that Rinna brings up as part of her storyline, something that you can't ask questions about when all of these other things like like was she gonna be like it's my daughter it's like well you brought it up on camera when things are brought up on camera we have to talk about them that was exactly the quote that Kyle said at dinner and Denise was like no we don't um so then are they gonna take the Denise approach of just because it's brought up on camera we don't have to talk about it like which one is it they pick and choose and that's been hard it was also interesting that they were so triggered by being called mean girls because there was this like very um public online kind of not campaign but people use the hashtag uh you know r-h-o-b-h mean girls and we're basically mm-hmm. saying you got some a lot of those on my memes. really horrible things about all the women um going after lvp and it does go too far i mean this week teddy mellencamp said that people on her page were telling her to die and her kids to die and that's just a horrible thing people take it way too far but yeah. the fact that they, they do were for all the shows, they do. But Beverly Hills seems particularly like the worst. The fans go way too far. They take it way too seriously. They like, I don't know. Kelly Dodd used to really get that. Like her daughter went private because of it. But they would find her daughter because they hated her yeah. mom so much. Fair. They, I mean, and I see Bronwyn post her DMs all the time. She's only been on one season, and they're like, "You are awful." Yeah. So I think people just take their health lives You're incredibly right. seriously. Maybe it's the like, California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just California that's doing the most, you know? The I can't imagine Tamara. <laughs> I, I can't imagine Tamara was getting great DMs the whole time she was on there. That's true. That's true. It's kind of a mess, but um, I'm really interested. I don't know. It, when is it the finale going to be? I don't think it's next week. It's probably... It's probably two two weeks. That's what I was thinking. I have to ask you: Do you think Andy was mad that they all went and hung out afterwards because they had a socially distant reunion? For I a was reason. thinking that. I was I, wondering. I can't imagine he was pleased with that and what it looked like publicly too. Also, right. couldn't they have hung trash. out outdoors? Yeah, people were not happy with that because they were like, did they film this together? They didn't tell us that because, I mean, New York already, maybe that's the reason when they decided to do New York in person because they were like, well, we're going to 
go ahead and take this chance. Let's take the chance. And I still think it's too early, you know. And, but didn't they all get they, tested also? Not that testing is perfect, but I'm pretty yeah, sure they they're all, all got getting tested. tested. But like, like I said, like I've talked about the filming schedule for v- VPR and um, OC because they're the same production company. And their plans are they're getting tested consistently. Like every week they get tested and they are film the whole the whole crew like their makeup artists and everything get tested and though they get tested every week before they go before they shoot shannon still got it and so did emily and that's the whole point is like just because those tests last like five minutes so you get tested but you're still out and about so other people who you're around are not getting tested like they don't know and they could be and you could also be a silent you know, I can't get past the fact that we're basically having, though I'm starved for content, Shannon essentially risked the lives of her and her daughters to do this show. I know. <laughs> like at this point, when you get COVID, you are risking your life. And we think about it as like nurses and doctors and essential personnel and all the workers who can't get the time off, our, our store clerks, people and teachers who I greatly respect, love and admire. I don't think of it the same way as housewives. Same. It's like, no, it's... wow, like what? Yeah, I'm very nervous. Like, what could have happened? Like, what do we didn't we cancel the whole show if something goes down? Like, cause I, I I hate to I'm not wishing death on anyone, but Blood, Sweat, and Heels was a very great show for Bravo. And when Daisy Llewellyn, one of the castmates, got cancer and passed away, they canceled the show because like, what what are we supposed to do? Like, we ha- right. in solidarity, we can't continue and try to have fun when this person and that was not caused by anything. This is voluntary. Yeah, it's rough. It's interesting to see Shannon also then go back out in public like she had a date night with her boyfriend and they were eating outdoors. But like after you experience COVID, like, aren't you cool just ordering in? Like, why do you need to keep going out? I never had COVID as far as I know. And I'm very (laughs) cool with ordering in. And I've had people say she answered it. She talked about it. She said that she's, you know, she's gotten three tests since then. And oh, I'm sure she's, she's still very fine. negative. And I'm like, okay. But like this only works <sighs> if we all play by the same rules and we're not. Yeah. And that's the difference. And a lot of people I don't know. can't I'm really stay just home. getting over the yeah. idea that this is just something we're all going to have to get. And we're just going to have to get over it. I'm like, Actually, me and my compromised immune system would like to object. Yep. Oh, man. Well, let's dive into New York just a little bit. Um, More women who don't care about this virus. I know. (laughs) So they're still in Mexico, and everyone seems to still be afraid of Dorinda, who gets mad at Sonia for answering a phone call when they're all together and for doing work while they're on vacation. And yeah, I did not understand this I don't fight understand at all. it either. Yes, should Sonia have better time management so that she did the work before going on vacation? Sure. But you're all just hanging out. Like, if she steps away for a couple hours to get something done, like, for her business, like, just chill. Just let her do, do it. Do you think it had to do with Sonia or more so it was annoying Dorinda that they had made it like a work breakfast, Leah and Sonia, but Dorinda didn't want to take it out on Leah because I think Dorinda's afraid of Leah, I which do I don't disagree. I don't, I don't, I understand it. <laughs> like, I get the vibe, but I think that Dorinda just didn't want to, she couldn't yell at Leah. So she just yelled in the in the air, like mm-hmm. in the abyss, that 
just be present and kind of at Sonia and Sonia took it the most to heart. So she just kept engaging with Sonia. I don't know. I, I don't know why Dorinda gets to set all of the rules. Like, why do they have Dorinda hears? <laughs> like, why do they have to be present? Why? It's fruit. It's just, it's just like it's like fruit and eggs. Like, it's not that serious. Exactly. And she they're trying to get something done. It's not like they're sitting on social media, you know? Also, you can engage with them about it if you're that concerned about engagement. And yeah, ask them present. about their businesses. Like, Talk oh, through Oh, you're sending it. invites? For what? Oh, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've been vocal about how much I don't really care for, you know, Leah's business, but I've never seen them ask about it. Like, they right. can ask her. She's doing her emails and stuff. She's doing all things too. And she's talking about it. Ask Sonia, okay, so how is Century 21 party going? When is it? You're right. You never did send us an email. And Sonia's like, well, I haven't even sent it to you guys. I got to do the invitations. I just talked to basically my boss on this. And he was like, yeah, party's ready to go. We're we're all prepared. Your one part is this. Do it. And so Sonia's like, I got to make a living. She does have to make a living to get the townhouse. And why didn't they just ask Leah, like, so how's the business? Like, so what do you do? Like, what is this? Like, so what are you doing this morning? You have emails and orders to fill and they're bosses. That's something that they have to do. You're never off. Yeah, it's very weird to watch Dorinda react to these things. I did enjoy watching Lou and Leah pick up those two guys from Montreal on the beach. <laughs> oh, my God, that was the funniest thing <laughs> was I so good. was like, what did Ramona say? She was like, it's not even noon and I've already picked up two boys. Like, Luann is talented. She is. It's she, a gift. She knows how to compliment them. She knows how to make them feel like, you know, comfortable in the situation, joked about kidnapping them. <laughs> Those aren't the shorts of a gay man. <laughs> I have to admit, I paused it and I was like, I think she might be right. She she was. As soon as I saw them, I was like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I Slightly think Slightly ill-fitting, a little baggy. Yeah, like they picked them out themselves and have not a whole lot to contribute <laughs> to the stylistic process, but did the best they could because it fit and it was good for the water, so. And then to see them join at dinner was really yeah. fun. That was fun. It was fun. I, I figured they would because, I mean, there's TV cameras. So who wouldn't join? I and mean, also, most people would join. Do you think these two guys from Montreal really understand what the Real Housewives are? Like, no. I don't know. Maybe because there's Toronto over there. There's in Canada, they get all the other, they get the entirety of um, our uh, setup and the international setup. And there's two in Canada. I think there's two housewife franchises in Canada and it doesn't mean that they watch them (laughs) but I'm saying I think that after the first encounter with the cameras and then the drinks at the bar they had enough time to go home and google that you're right the googling (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would google wouldn't you google what show I'm on (laughs) they have to sign the uh, contract as well but I'm sure they signed it even before I don't know if that like initial encounter on the beach that was filmed but then I'm sure later they were like hey can you sign this so we can use this footage um they obviously said yes so these guys are at dinner with them but before the dinner Mm -hmm. was the scene that I think I related to the most (laughs) where okay Dorinda 
has to not go to dinner because she has explosive diarrhea. <laughs> that would be and me. She told us that it's since Cartagena, her intestines have never been. That is. That made me laugh so hard. It's so true, though. If you get violently ill, it takes so long. I'm like permanently taking probiotics since in 2014, I had Campylobacter, which caused dysentery. I was traveling in South Africa. <laughs> It was, oh my God. it was not great. And that wasn't even my worst digestive illness. <laughs> oh, no, not not the worst. I had yeah, a, I I had cholera. Oh, like, no. Like Oregon Trail style. Um, I, I was living in Bangladesh doing a fellowship in global health. And I contracted cholera during cholera season. <laughs> I had to be hospitalized. Well, at least you got to travel and do all these cool things. <laughs> yeah, it was... that's the only saving grace. And... But my God, so I it's like become like this joke in my friend group and family because um, my body's never fully been the same, and I'm a little more careful about what I eat. I take probiotics. I do a lot now, but um, it's just like this joke. Like which which disease um, of digestive nature have I not gotten? <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious and I laughed when Sonia was like oh I didn't even notice our room always smells like this and I was just like it is so funny to me because Luann was so like oh I gotta get the Chanel body spray oh yeah go get the Chanel so all over amazing. body spray I was like what is happening right now oh this that's the only time we're ever truly reminded of like the age and um any kind of restricted restrictions of being in that age group for these women because you would never know it because they bounce back from being drunk like 19 year old college kids yeah like not even like so i mean like for rat boys like they are up and ready to go very next morning back to having drinks doing yoga working out leah in her 30s a millennial in her prime is like how are you people up right now please go back to bed like she did not want to do the workout and she was like you're up and they're like yeah girl we just got a workout and then luann and her on the beach and they're getting drinks and they're like what are you drinking and she's water <laughs> and it's like the only time we ever see any limitations for these women is when their digestive tracts are no longer working for them and then you know that that they the are in fact thing. human. Um, but it was interesting. If my friends are ever glad that I had diarrhea so that I wouldn't have to join them at dinner because I was such a terror, I would be mortified. Like, that is awful to be that yeah. nasty to people that they're actually relieved that you can't join them for dinner. Oh, my God. That yeah, was shocking. Yeah, that's not that's not good. That's not healthy. I mean, something was wrong. I don't know. Do you think during the last thing? I've heard the rumors that there's going to be a major shakeup next season. There's rumors that there will be the first integration of New York Housewives as well with a Black Housewives. But I think Tarinda, I think her days might be numbered. I think she is in a very, very dark place. And it feels like they're all not happy filming with her. Like they can't handle it. Yes, I, I think that's true. I wonder how much has changed since filming because it seems like Ramona now is the odd one out. 
you know? Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think Ramona's going anywhere, though. I think they're going to do her Kelly Dodd style and they're going to let her hang herself herself. Okay. Just like how Kelly, because people like, don't understand how Kelly still has a job this year because they need a real good reason to fire her. They need her to lean in herself. Yep. And her, she will. She will. Don't worry. <laughs> like, she, I, I yeah. don't want to be a witness to it. I won't watch it, but I think she will. And I think Dorinda, though, I think it's someone that they, because Luann just gave this interview about how there was a major shakeup, like maybe a few days ago, a week ago. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, it made me think it was her. Interesting to see. Uh, I think Dorinda needs to get help because I do think she's mm-hmm. a good housewife. She's been great. She's got some funny commentary. She gives us what we want. We've all, a lot of us, have really enjoyed her until the season. I think everyone's allowed to have an off season, but to not learn and grow from it is where the problem is. And she won't listen to anyone and to see her sober at this after they do the caves and they're swimming and they have the lunch sober when they're trying to talk to her and I get it shouldn't have been brought up when her daughter was on the phone but they're trying to talk to her and she's not receiving anything Mm -hmm. they're saying ever And then her defensiveness is mean. She's mean back. She gaslights. She makes them think they're crazy. Laughing at Ramona. She just did it to Luann last Mm -hmm. week. Luann was literally like, oh, yeah, so Ramona said this. Okay, well, you got a mugshot. I'm like, wait a minute. She was genuinely just relaying the message. Like, Luann didn't do anything. And I'm like the last person to defend Luann, but relax like no one's coming for you Ramona if anything was and she's not even here and she just gets very mean like you said and I'm like I mean her daughter's an adult like she's fine tell her call her back like these are your friends this is your priority is to film and do this if Sonya can't do her invitations and send an email during breakfast you cannot escape and go call your daughter during dinner we're right. filming if you if mm-hmm. the whole purpose is you want us to be present and film you need to also do the same because you don't want to be in the hot seat, but you're the one who's the meanest. You're the one who's coming at people. Why wouldn't you think you're in the hot seat if you keep getting into these fights with people? If you're in a fight with almost everybody there at least once in the season, something's wrong. Yep. It's you. It's you. But I also just don't think that they'll fully get rid of her unless it becomes a liability thing because delusion is like New York's it's uh, their like, house life. Yep. The delusion is real. She also has delusion, I think, when it comes to her standing with politicians. Like, did you see the Watch yeah. What Happens Live with Hillary Clinton? Yeah, Dorinda's been posting pictures with politicians for like two or three weeks. I have seen her with all these people. She's done this because she's been a major donor before. And I guess Richard did some work with the Clintons. But she clearly thinks that they know who she is, even though they don't really. They're politicians, honey. Their job is to take pictures with people. Right. And I think there was this interesting thing where she was like, oh, let me come to the Watch What Happens Live with Hillary and we'll do the Shotsky together with Andy, Hillary, and Dorinda. And it was clear when she hugged Hillary Clinton, it was like she was hugging her like, oh, you, we know each other. And Hillary's kind of like, oh, hi. <laughs> Again, you're not even talking about just a regular politician. You're talking about a freaking like, Clinton. <laughs> like it was one also of the, of the first ladies of the of the country. She meets millions of people that do probably volunteer often. It doesn't mean she knows everybody. 
it was so shocking. And so then to see her post a picture of her and Kamala Harris and like, it's just, (laughs) they don't know who you are just because you give a lot of money to them. No, in fact, they take the picture with you because you gave a lot of money and their campaign person told them that's a really good idea. Like if you're not the person that they're working with on a daily basis, like their staff and other staff, you know, of other members of Congress and senators and things like that, like they don't know who you are necessarily. No. So Mm -hmm. it's just really interesting to see she thinks I think she's more prominent than she is. And it is fascinating yeah. to watch. I think she wants to be a Carrie, a Carol meets a Tinsley. I think that's yeah. always been something she used to like to connect with Carol because of the connection, though, you know, she wasn't married to a Kennedy. Carol essentially was. So, yeah. like, it, it, it doesn't really exist. And she was always upset with Tinsley because she had time to start her life over and get that prominence back and be somebody again. And Dorinda probably felt that she was, she could have been someone and was someone, but that ended because of death. Right. And I know she's very angry about uh, the death of Richard, but she needs to work through that and she's letting it permeate every single thing about her. And I get it. Like I had someone taken from me too soon also, and it's, you have a lot of anger and a lot of frustration, a lot of pain. But you have to work mm-hmm. through it. You can't you can't use alcohol as a crutch. You can't use your daughter as a crutch. You can't use John as a crutch. You have to work through it or it will just continue to grow. Yeah, she has to. The help is available to her. She needs to get it. But I think, again, people often talk about how Dorinda cannot be wrong. Like She just can't mm-hmm. do it. And I think that she thinks if she goes to therapy, for instance, she's admitting that there's something wrong with her or that she'll have to then start the work of all the things I've done to people was done out of grief yeah which means I didn't have a leg to stand on and I probably wasn't right and that's hard it's like we saw with Lala you know or Vanderpump Rules I don't think she should have done that season when she was grieving and listen there's no timeline on grieving I think it is clear Dorinda is just not finally grieving her late husband and I think she should have taken the time off because then it's not you don't have a point you know you don't have a point and you just need to be reminded of that because your point only your delivery exists purely within the fact that you cannot express the feelings you're feeling to the person that you feel them for and you feel helpless in that situation in which case you will make someone else suffer because you are suffering and that's what we saw with Lala and um, Raquel and that foyer of Vanderpump Rule of, of Sir and I think it's what we saw with Dorinda and Tinsley it feels like she was breaking down and she was coming down and she really needs the time to reflect and feel and get past it as best she can. I actually think there's a lot more similarities now that you bring it up between Dorinda and Lala than I originally mm-hmm. thought like mm-hmm. Lala has serious anger problems and always mm-hmm. has. We've seen it on the show and we've applauded it. Mm-hmm. But just recently, she got into a not a huge fight or what shouldn't have been a huge fight with Randall. And she deleted him from her Instagram. And- yeah. And then was like proud of her. <laughs> about it. Oh, I'm just patty. I'm like, no, no. That's should not, be not getting married. healthy. That is toxic. <laughs> no, you're right. 
it mm-hmm. scares me what yes it does also we i don't know if we have time to get into it but danica um was recently i mean both danica and her ex-boyfriend filed restraining orders against each other and were granted them but I mean, that relationship, it sounded like it was toxic back just when they talked about it on the show. But since the show, they got into a fight while watching 90 Day Fiance and he like wouldn't wash his dishes until it was done. And she strangled him, bit him. There are like public photos of this, uh, of like a bruised neck. Cancel that show. Bite marks. I mean. There's something really not right over there. Like there's something not right in that water. And I used to think that, you know, it was like, oh, well, Lisa has a thing about casting all these, you know, really interesting people. And then it was like, oh, well, no one's saying that Faith is innocent because, you know, everybody in the show is trash. But now I'm like, what is it about Lisa that she keeps hiring people that are legitimately like, not okay in the head? Like, they're legitimately suffering. From suffering, yeah. And they're not acknowledging each other's pro- Like, I think a lot of the cast had a problem with Danica because they knew she had this volatile side to her but that is like flat out abuse right to like physically hurt your boyfriend that is abuse and if he went and broke into her house and cut up all her clothes which she claims that is also abusive so like they were abusive to each other potentially yeah everything is not right like I'm hearing something is very very deeply wrong and I don't understand how people i don't know it's it's crazy to me how there's so many people that behave this way that are all on the same show (laughs) Mm -hmm. like i wouldn't be shocked if lala was physical with ran like i mean i shouldn't say that but she's when she said oh i'm petty af like well she she did say she tossed her gucci slides at him last year when he wanted them back she she tossed them at him or threw them at, at him. She's hinted mm. at things and it scares me. It's like, this is not um, okay. This is not healthy. Something about this whole dynamic is off. And right. if he's asking for your Gucci slides because he paid for them, then you already know the gift horse. Like you've looked it in the mouth and he is going to hold these things over your head that he's paid for because of the dynamic of your relationship. And if you're deleting all your pictures Every time you get into a fight with him because you're petty and he upsets you, you want to let the world know that you're single so it will piss him off because apparently the public's opinion of him, he cares about that much. We have issues. We do not need, Corona did you a favor postponing your wedding. Yes. I don't know. I'm really worried about Vanderpump Rules. I think they're going to bring it back and I think they were going to try and have like Danica and Sheena kind of lead the way under tom tom and i don't know she shouldn't do anything for those people without a raise and an apology yes yes she has consistently carried the show on her back and has been treated so foully over the years she's not paid the same i'm hearing allegedly it's just not fair she really needs a better attorney or something but i'm rooting for her i'm not rooting for that show though yeah well, thank you so much for joining, Moni. I love talking to you, especially about Potomac. It's the best. I it's so much fun. Thank you for having me. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can listen to your podcast? Yeah, of course. You can listen to me anywhere that you listen to this one. Um, Spotify, Apple, 
iTunes, Stitcher, all the girls um, by searching Mixing with Moni. And on Twitter and Instagram at Mixing with Moni, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. Thank you so much. Oh, man. And Thank you so much. I'm so glad that so many people have been listening to you and getting into Potomac. I hope that, you know, we can continue to just kind of spread the gospel of Potomac wherever we go. Because yes. if people are watching Bravo and they are not watching Potomac, they are doing they, it wrong. They are. <laughs> they don't love Bravo. So... Okay, well, thank you so much, and we'll have to have you on again soon. also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.